I won more premierships alone than the other he 19 managers. Boys, we are here to ranch. James, we have to do justice before just sliding right into the top four. I didn't want to get off track. This, this is one of the best title races. Good afternoon, and Patrick. You're in a really heated race to finish in the top four, and you trot out a BT. What on earth? I don't have an option. I'm talking worldwide. Wow. Welcome. Welcome. To Prem de la Prem. On today's episode of Prem de la Prem, we're doing something a little different. We left you guys with a full Arsenal United recap in our regular segments on Wednesday, and now we're bringing in some perspectives from around the league. We've got Mark the Spurs fan, Carl the Chelsea fan, who was available. Shocker. And uh, Scott, our Liverpool fan, and we chat with all of them and get out some interesting headlines from this year thus far and just getting a pulse check on our favorite top six teams. Yeah, it was really great. I think it's it's nice to actually realize how wrong you are about some of the things you think about some of those other top six sides when you speak for yourself. can kind of dive in. Oh, no, I am. Um, and just really understand where, where some of these other clubs are coming from and where their fan bases are and as always, hear Carl's completely measured and reasonable takes on the status of Chelsea. It's because it's all he thinks about. Look, he's a man after my own heart. <laughs> I want to hate him, but we're the same person. Yeah, yeah, Gemini man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we are going to lead it into part one, and then we'll do a part two with some special guests from Arsenal, not Pat, Man United, not myself, and then I think you guys can guess who's coming on for City. So we'll leave yep. it at that and kick it right into Mark, who's going to lead us off the bat with his takes on Spurs. All right, we now welcome on Mark, our resident Spurs fan, to the cast. How are you doing, Mark? Uh, doing well, unlike Tottenham, thanks. <laughs> I'm glad you started on that note. And we're here. No well, we got Patrick here. Mark, it's great to have you on the line. We do still have an intern on the lookout for that footage of you at the first Spurs-Ipswich game. Oh, uh, good. I don't, I don't want to say... I don't, be- I don't want to believe that you lied to us, but let's no. just say we haven't found it yet. No, fair enough. I mean, if you do find it, I'd be over the moon, to be honest. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we'll keep that one under lock and key when we do get it. But cool. um, we don't have a ton of time because we have a few other guests on the line. Um, but essentially, how we want to run this is go through maybe the biggest storyline that we've picked out for Spurs so far, aside from utter shit. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you like that one. <laughs> and then maybe we open the floor up to some things that you've seen as as probably someone who's closer to the team that, you know, ma- mainstream media or two guys like us might be missing. And then we'll end it with a couple fun segments. So I think the best way to kick it off is by saying when you came on over the summer, we talked about the biggest thing for Spurs to address slash solve this season is keeping Pochettino happy. You guys just had a historic season in the sense that you – ran a pretty good race against um, unprecedented teams like Liverpool and City, and you made it to the final of the Champions League. How do you build on that? And it's pretty obvious now, um, to give a little context to time, you guys just got a win against Southampton at home, despite a few struggles. But there's been some clear bumps in the road, and Pochettino is, I like to say I made this comparison before the media, but he's starting to draw a few comparisons to an angry Mourinho. And I'd love to get your take, and Patrick, feel free to build on this, how you feel this is settling with the fans right now and whether it's right to be mad at Pochettino or he's got a point. Take it away, Mark. We'll ask James. Okay. Um, I think that uh, as a manager, uh, look, I still think he's – Pochettino's great as far as I'm concerned. He is great. 
the issue I think with him is, okay, well, broader picture. Uh, no one wants to play for someone who someone thinks is off, if you know what I mean. And I just think that the best thing that uh, Daniel Levy or someone someone at the Spurs hierarchy could do right now is basically um, put an end to this speculation about his future. I think I think that would really do a lot. And I, you know, uh, the attachment that Pochettino has with his players and f- vice versa, I think there's a bit of. Uh, how can I put it? You've, you've spent money on a brand new stadium. You've awarded a couple of new contracts here and there. But, I, right. you know, at, at the end of the day, they reached the Champions League final last year. Right. Um, all this speculation is going to happen. And I, I think the key thing that has to happen is really you look at the club, you look at how they're playing, you look at Pochettino, you look at, uh, you know, just the commentary. You know, come out and say that he's the manager of the club, say that he is extended, do something, make it look like he is staying. And to be fair to Pochettino, if I've got a criticism, is I don't like managers who talk about themselves in the third person, uh, you know, which was a Mourinho habit, as you as you guys would remember, and sort of identify themselves as, am I this, am I that, what am I doing? At the end of the day, he's there to breed confidence in his players. So just, just put the ego to a side for a minute and say you're staying with the club, and I think right. things would be a lot better. Yeah, if Mourinho is the special one, what is Pochettino? <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, I think he is the, well, you know, the thing I've read about Pochettino is he loves those alternative, uh, I don't know what you call them. You know, when people go to seminars and spend lots of money to get G'd up, he loves that shit. You know, the whole motivational uh, speaking. Yeah. He loves all that stuff. Like he, apparently before the champions league final, he got the players to walk. I don't know if you saw this. He, uh, he found this exercise where you get an arrow and you point it at your, you know, that little space, which is in your throat. Yeah. Right. You know, where your collarbone is. Yeah, I'm touching it now. Ev- yeah, he got every player to walk into an arrow at that point on your throat to prove wow. that you can to prove that you can go through walls. He did that. Now um <laughs> Patrick's face right now is worth a thousand yeah. words. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm just, I'm just, it, it's 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 just one example of uh what the, the what I'm trying to say is the type of guy he is. He loves mm-hmm. that that whole motivational science stuff. There's a lot of stuff on the internet about things he gets the Spurs players to do. And to be fair, you know, he got to a Champions League final, so I shouldn't be, you know, taking the mickey out of it, although I don't believe in that sort of stuff. But I I think, um, is he a special one? Uh, I would like him to stay. Spurs have got a lot of history with Argentinian players and managers. Uh, And I think that, I do think that Pochettino is a, I think he's a great manager and he has a great culture about him, but um, just don't don't go too far off the wall. You know, obviously like Mourinho did, you know, three years of being great and then all of a sudden you start saying stupid stuff. I think you believe your own hype and maybe he's starting to go that way. If he's believing his own hype and that's kind of where he's going, is it something that you want the club to start to look to move on from after this season? Because you mentioned a similar thread about Ericsson in our off season where if, you know, it's starting to go south, why don't we just, you know, rip rip the band aid and move and move forward. It seems like Spurs and Pochettino have had a great run. I know that you want it to stay. If if in fact this is just the beginning of his ego taking over and he's not getting his way, he thinks he deserves more, do you want to take that step and, and, and get rid of him and probably Ericsson as well based on our last talk and just 
kind of build on what he did and chalk it up as, hey, that was a great start to what is the new Spurs era, and let's take a step forward. Yeah, uh, I think that's a that's a good point. I think that um, let me let me try and uh, I, th- I think that if he re- is a real believer in his project, uh, he's just bought Ndombele. You know, he's just bought Lo Celso, who hasn't even played really. I, I think he's say. a sub appearance. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. got he's got Cessignon, who hasn't uh, made an appearance yet. So if he's a believer in his project, I think he should stick by his project. But no person should ever be considered to be bigger than their club, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I don't, I don't think he's necessarily doing that yet. I don't think he's at the Mourinho level yet. You know, he says no, he's also. I agree. To be, yeah, he's. Until you know, he he's, throws a water bottle at the fourth there's, official. There's only one Jose Mourinho. There's Mourinho's, the and then there's sheep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, I think that he, uh, you know, Pochettino's just. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm a little lost for words because I'm trying, I'm trying to find the right words for it. I just think that when you're anywhere for five or six years, right, it's like if you're in a job. You hate your job after a period of time. But I mm. think, that, I think mm. that Levy has sort of put his hand in his pocket and has bought some of the players that he's asked for. So I think walking away now for a guy like him would always be a question mark. I think that I think he should see the season through. And if he has a terrible season, by all means, go. Like yeah. if, if he feels like he doesn't want to do it anymore, you know, he's already part of the Spurs legacy. Like yeah. he is, I mean, you could arguably say he's Spurs most successful manager, I think, you know, so. Right. No, you know, I think, yeah. I was going to say, I think those are some really good points. And just cause you know, we are, we are a little pressed for time. I think that's a really good, uh, bit of light shed on Pochettino. Um, but let's, let's have a second. Cause it, it, you know, to a certain extent, the manager picks the players and expects them to perform. So let's take a couple minutes and have a go at some of the players who aren't performing. Top of my list is, uh, Deli Alley. And then <laughs> it's probably quickly followed by Danny Rose. And I'm wondering, um, as an insider who, who's really standing out to you as someone who's not carrying their weight. Yeah. Okay. I think Ericsson. Uh, it's all it's all well and good to come off the bench and put together a few good passes, but I think Ericsson wow. has moved. And we've wow. said this before. We've said this before. Like Ericsson has moved on. You can see it. He's moved on. He, he looks like a game changer, though. Yeah, but do you know what? Um, I don't think uh, I don't think you improve or take a step forward unless you put someone on in his place. I just don't. And I actually think, although he's a bit crazy, I think Lamella is actually doing okay. Funnily enough, I think he. Uh, he at least puts his heart on his sleeve. I just think Ericsson's checked out. I really do. And fair play. He's given us six great years. He's checked out. He's just, he's checked out. It's, That's what I think. It's kind of, um, it's kind of funny because you see these common threads between, you know, Manchester United, Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, that so often we're just looking for people who play for the badge. You know, there's, and that's I, I can see that in Lamella. Uh, he's a very frustrating player to play against. You can tell that he's he's going to get stuck in every every step of the way. It's minimum requirement for United right now. Right. Even and, some people and, have trouble meeting. And that so bar. and and yeah, there is a, a bit of an identity crisis with with all of those teams as they try and close that gap between City and Liverpool. Who, I mean, I don't think you're in a place where you need to rebuild. You know, we can kind of reset this. Spurs are fourth in the table. They took points away from City, away from Arsenal. Like it's not as bad as it looks. They just won a game with with ten men. You know, it's 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 still early, and there's still a lot left to be done. I still think they're going to be right there in that Champions League picture. But who who do we 
look to if you're a Spurs fan to kind of lead that team and identify and say, this is, you know, this is my club. I'm playing for the badge and I'm going to show up week in, week out. You know, let's take a little bit more of a positive approach than, uh, you know, maybe my, my colleague would like. Whatever works. <laughs> no, sure. I mean, if you, yeah, just, I mean, some, some commentary on the season and some good things. I think, you know, Harry Kane is still Harry Kane. I think he's, it, the guy is uh, going to get run into the ground at some point though. I just, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think uh, Sun coming back has been a bright spot. Um, yep. I think that um, I think uh, to be fair, I think Maurizio is playing Harry Winks in the wrong place. I don't mm. think he's a base of the diamond guy. I think that's very defensive. Yeah, I don't like it. I think it's a mistake. Um, no, I mean you're being defensive. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, excuse me. <laughs> He's been prepping, um, prepping that one all morning, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> who else? Uh, do you know? Uh, here's the thing: if we were talking, it's it's long term strategy or whatever. But I actually think that um, you know, Lochelso is going to be great. I think he, you know, if I was to judge a player on his YouTube, he's going to be great. I think he's the natural replacement for Eriksen. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see what happens with that. And Cessignon, I can't wait to see him play. So there's some bright spots that are coming. Um, I think that it would be great to just just let Ericsson go. And, uh, um, you know, if you look at what Spurs are doing at the moment, which I think is bad, maybe in terms of the results and the players, it's uh, they're playing within themselves. And I think what, what Spurs haven't really done is they haven't really transitioned from a pressing team to a possession team. And they get all their good results. Like, it's all their good games seem to come away from home these days where they're mm. sort of pressing against better clubs and they hang in there and fight and they're not really dominating at home anymore and um you'd I almost think part... rather play an arsenal or a chelsea than break down a yeah well look at what they did against city they hung in there mm-hmm. um they got the points i'm not saying mm-hmm. they were they deserved them but they hung in there and got the points i just think that um i think that the way ericsson is playing at the moment he's not helping them be a ball possession team and i uh you know, to be fair to him, he's being allowed to stay up the pitch a bit more in this sort of formation he's got. And, uh, you know, I love the guy. He's two-footed and all of those things. But he is waste- He is, he's, he is uh, really wasting possession a lot. And I'm, I'm not liking it. Yeah. So maybe his best place is just as a bit of class off the bench. And you let the rest of the team try and sort the rest out and, and win. I think for the, I think for the rest them. of the year. Yeah, I would do it for the rest of the year. And I would give, uh, you know, I would give Lamella a crack. And obviously, the Chelsea comes back, I'd give him a crack. And I would look to push Winks a little higher up the pitch. I think, I think that would fix a lot with the current with current Tottenham because at the moment, you've got Old Weira, Tongan, and Winks just playing these triangle balls. And eventually, Old Weira or Vertonghen will play a long ball, and that is not the way to play a possession game. It's just dumb. It's just dumb. Right. Right. Well. Um... I, all, all really good insight, and I think we do have a little bit of time left just for, for some fun and games. We have a couple things we want to bring up with you. I think first and foremost, rate your Loris Howler. It's a new segment on Prem de la Prem. <laughs> so two of my favorites, the one that happened against Southampton, which is fresh in the memory and so fun to play back. And then you compare that to his one against the World Cup. And I'm curious which one is your personal favorite. Um, wow. Or am I missing one? No, no, no. I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, I, 
yesterday's is just so fresh and clean. It's just, <laughs> you know, uh, I just remember, um, I think, you know, because it, it's, all, it's all come down to the fact that they scored and then obviously we went down to 10 men. It was just, it was just priceless. I mean, uh, pulling off a Cruyff turn to me is from your goal line. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you're in Cruyff would have attended that. So. Yeah. Yeah, Peter, Peter Cech shed a tear from uh, <laughs> from miles away when he saw that. Yeah. So um, I've got to say it's my favorite because it hurt more. It spurs. It hurt more, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it for me, you got to give it to the to the World Cup to have the mm-hmm. the laissez-faire attitude to do that, and the World well, Cup final is just something else. I think we have to lament how neither of them truly came back to bite him in the ass. Right. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's why he's still trying to do them. <laughs> Did you see the save? The save he made made from the header in the second half. Uh, yeah, I mean he came back and made some incredible saves. Yeah, so he's, he's a strange yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's a world class keeper with a uh, Sunday league howler in him. Yeah. And we sure. actually did we did say this about Czech. If you give him too much time to think about something, he's going to mess it up. Yeah. He's an instinct guy. Yeah. Give him no yeah. time to react. If you put no, uh, yeah, that's true. That's fair. Um, yeah, yeah, and then last thing on our list um, over here in Prem de la Prem Mission Control, we've actually got <laughs> Leicester Newcastle in the background, and uh, it does make us think. The last time we had you on, you had some choice <laughs> words. <laughs> you know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, you had some choice words about Leicester's season. Um, I'd say the only real downside so far, and it could happen to anyone, is you lose to the great Manchester United. So that's against Leicester's record, but. Um, <laughs> how do you explain yourself for predicting yeah. that they would finish uh, towards the bottom of the table? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just uh, I got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think that um, Madison himself is a great player. I just yeah. you know I, I looked at the supporting cast and didn't really rate any of them. Yeah, and, right. Uh, they may get found out, and uh, I think the thing I find annoying about it is Brendan Rodgers is going to get proclaimed some sort of genius, and I. I, I have where you have Mason Mount Patrick. I have Brendan <laughs> Rogers. Like I just—that's a callback to previous episodes. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Mark, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you, I also have Brendan Rogers. I think we yeah. all do. I think yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah. No one was so, hoping for this. No. So, um, and uh, you know, personally, I quite like Leicester. Like, uh, as in, I got a few close friends who are fans and stuff like that. I just, I just felt like the supporting cast wasn't going to do it, but they're they're outperforming. I got it wrong. What can I say? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I wish yeah. that I had that kind of humility with some of my takes, but it's okay. <laughs> no, nope, we're continuing on Mason now. <laughs> no, uh, and so we'll uh, we'll close it out with this, Mark. You're going to be joined on this podcast with two other check-ins. Uh, we're going to ah. be checking in with Chelsea, and we're going to be checking in with Liverpool. And I just wanted to see if you had uh, anything you'd like to say, positive or negative, to either of those uh, those clubs. Sure, I might have to swear on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's quite all right. Okay, cool. Because the first thing I'll say is fuck Chelsea, and then <laughs> the second thing I'll say, re Liverpool. I mean, to be fair, Liverpool. I mean, man, just you know, they they played quite crap against Sheffield United the other night, but they still got the result. And uh, that I mean, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I just think that that's how we uh, feel. when people when people talk about Liverpool and how to play them, though, I do think it is to choke them in midfield. I think that's what it is. I, I think, uh, I mean, for Christ's sake, they're still playing James Milner. There's got to be a way. <laughs> you know, there There's has to be a way. On there. If right. James Milner was playing for any other top six club, 
you'd, you'd identify him as the weak link. And, you know, mm. I, I, you know, my Liverpool buddy will laugh at this, but Henderson is shit. So let's be honest. How are they oh, doing it. it? How are they right. doing it? I just, I want to know how he's doing it. Klopp must be a genius. He must be a genius. There's no doubt about it because they've, they've got Milner and Henderson in their freaking team. Mm-hmm. It might be because Firmino can drop into a number 10 and be a striker. And he's kind yeah. of making up for that midfield creativity. Sure. Yeah, and, then, and the uh, fact you have the, the wing backs are effectively right. just overloading that midfield. You know, there's yeah. definitely some special talent on there. Yeah, that midfield, that's yeah, that's, I, that's the route to beat them. When I watch Liverpool and then City again with De Bruyne, it, it reminds me what a team with people who can cross a ball looks like. Sure. And <laughs> sure. it makes me pretty sad. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, just to have a kinder word for Chelsea, because, you know, that was a bit mean. but um... Yeah, you came in pretty hot. I did. Uh, a kind of word for Chelsea is I think Mason Mount looks like a class player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't tell anyone I said this, Mark, but I'd, I'd have to agree with you there. Yeah, yeah. But um, and also this um, is it Kabucha? Have you this centre back they've got the drink? Yeah, some kombucha, kombucha. This young centre back, he looks pretty good as well. So yeah, Mori. Maybe yeah, his first name is Kabucha. Oh, oh right. Tamori. I don't Tamori. know. I only knew Tamori because he had right, that sorry. belter a few games ago, and I was like, who the hell is yeah. this guy? And then yeah, yeah. You know, he looks, he's yeah. been looking pretty solid. Class. Yeah, and uh, that thing about Chelsea, the funny one is, you know, that um, I think they just send out 40 kids on loan every year. You know this, right? They li- they literally have mm-hmm. two or three squads of youngsters that they send out on loan. Well, obviously, yeah. this year they have to start playing some. And you know what? By accident, it might pay off for them. So, right. yeah, right. fuck them. <laughs> yeah they lucked well, into a new generation yeah. of, of talent well thanks right. so much for jumping on mark you know it's been a pleasure to talking you talking to you as always and thank uh, you there will be plenty um, more occasions I to that, and I'm... have you jump on the phone later this season lovely good luck guys and uh yeah party on and fantasy wise i'm not doing very well so let's not talk about that and you didn't well, yeah, you can okay, hang bye. Out, you can hang out with me down <laughs> there <laughs> all right cheers, okay mark. good okay bye and that was Mark with Spurs, measured as always. A lot of fun banter. Uh, great to have him back for his second appearance. And now somebody making their third appearance. We're here to talk about Chelsea with the one and only Car Mueller. Enjoy. All right. We now welcome back onto the podcast our dear friend and Chelsea fan, resident expert at Prem de la Prem, Carl Mueller. How you doing, Carl? Very well. Happy to be on the pod. Great. Thanks. Uh, you know, we're glad we could fit into your busy schedule and have you back on. Uh, yeah, you know how it is. <laughs> you're developing quite a reputation on this, Carl. One of these times you're going to have to turn us down just to, just to, just to change that. Yeah, uh, I love the thrill sure? of the chase, Carl. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. I get it. I get it. I love it. <laughs> no, um, so as, as you know, we're doing a quick check-in with, with some fans around the league, and Patrick and I have been mulling over some big uh, storylines that we wanted to get your take on for Chelsea, something we haven't really been able to give um, during our regular season cast, just because uh, Pat takes up most of the time talking about Arsenal. Uh, I heard. That said, that's neither here nor there. It was one episode, James. We'll go yeah, through I that thought it was then, a solid you know, run. I thought it was a solid run. The, the, the whole laptop it, well, battery It boosted situation. our downloads. Yeah. It was good. It was good. More I don't think Pat remembers what he said. No, yeah, I'll, I don't think yeah, anyone we'll, does. We'll give it, give, give it a, give it a couple days, Carl. I might have another one in the chamber. Yeah, lovely, lovely. <laughs> My God, he's reloaded. <laughs> All right, let's. I mean, let's get on with it. Okay. Um, what's what's the best way to put this? Here's an interesting storyline about Chelsea for the season that I that I took away. 
I think they're at risk of becoming a likable club because you've been forced to because you are suddenly playing these young English players who seem to be gelling well. You've got Frank Lampard in instead of a instead of an incendiary manager. And I'm curious whether you agree with that or do you think you're going to revert back to your Chelsea-ish ways once the transfer ban gets lifted? Has this transfer ban been underneath it all a positive thing to reshape the culture? Hmm. I, uh, so I definitely think it's been a great thing. I think... Um, I, I do think we might be the most interesting team in the league. Not, I'm, I make no claims on where we might finish, but as far as just storyline and just watching the games, it's awesome. Um, there's like something there for everyone because we've got so many English players that like I feel like yeah, the whole nation is yeah, sort really, of really everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Apart from you know, well, Pulitzer, who knows? Well, there's nothing there for Americans to watch. Well, I know we should get onto that later, but but I so I first of all I totally agree with you. Um, I think it's a great thing. I I have personally not enjoyed watching Chelsea as much as I have this season in a long time. Um, I I don't think it's gonna like last. I mean, I don't think this is now we're gonna we're not gonna be a club that just solely relies on youth. So yeah, when the transfer ban ends, and it might even be January, who knows? For sure we need to buy but but it's a it's a great moment and and i do think it might have long-term effects in that like Mm -hmm. i think the board has probably realized the benefit of bringing players in and having the like having the crowd on their side and i think that was in parts what drove the sari sacking in the end i mean that was really not down to like dressing room player power like it used to be at chelsea that was really the fans demanding a change. And we've not really seen that. And I think this this has been like an interesting 12 months of learning and growing for Chelsea as like, just like a local club with like a fan base. If that makes sense, you know what I mean? We feel less like an international pirate yeah. and more yeah. like a local London English club. And, hmm. and there is like real merit in that. I like that. No, that's incredibly well said. Not something I probably would have put a I, I, I did mention that they had. I don't know if this this has changed, but there's a point where only you know English academy players had yeah. scored for Chelsea. I don't know if that's changed. It's uh, Willian, changed this weekend. Willian, Willian, yeah. Willian did yeah. score. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Jorginho. It, but but still, yeah. I mean, like Tammy yeah. Abram had a great game. Mason Mount made that penalty. Tamori in the back is an absolute lad. It's really like it's a really special thing. And okay, here is my. I do have one thing prepared. That I, this is a dig at Arsenal and Man United. So well, get, get re- nothing less, Carl. I'm yeah, glad you're so, bringing it up now. Yeah, yeah. So this is what I. This is how I see it. Okay. If if Chelsea finish behind you two, uh, like if basically if we come fourth and you come fifth and sixth, you'll have like lost out on Champions League to a club with a transfer ban that lost its best players. And it's playing like it's basically lost Hazard. It's playing academy kids under a brand new coach who's never managed in the Premier League. That is like a pretty terrifying thing for Man United and Arsenal. Yeah. To well, deal first with. of all, fuck you. <laughs> Second yeah. of all, I can't speak for Arsenal, but I was I was kind of pondering this about United because 
half the time at work we're just grilling each other about Chelsea oh, yeah. United. So this was one thing. You know how you have an argument and then like two days later in the shower you're like, oh, I should have yeah, said yeah, this yeah. thing. Uh, so basically oh, I was I doing one wait. of those. Oh, this uh, is totally one of those too, by the way. Yeah, I've been like, I've prepped this for a long time. <laughs> no, I mean, this one's not really earth shattering. But what I will say is your academy players who've come in have kind of cut their teeth elsewhere. You know, Mount at Derby, Abraham over at Villa. You know, they they grafted in the championship, and I think now they're really getting their time to shine. I think United are throwing players at the wall and seeing what sticks. You know, from what I've seen, yeah. Greenwood is the guy who makes the grade. Chong very clearly got found out. He hasn't been out on loan. Gomez, you know, it's yet to be seen. So I wouldn't underestimate how prepared the Chelsea players, back to your original that, point, that were well ready said. to play. That is well said. But it's because I, I had time also... to think about it. It's also true that we have been um, like derided for our loan policy for mm-hmm. the last five years, and now suddenly it's been referred to as like a strength. So I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, Batshuayi is not even getting into the team, and he spent spells at Dortmund, and uh, I can't remember. Batshuayi played played twenty Dr- minutes. Dr- Dr- played twenty Dr- minutes yesterday, mate. Right. And then squandered a few chances, yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, rant over. But yes, yeah, sorry. Well, I, maybe, I just... maybe Pat wants to defend his spot on that. Yeah, anything well, from you? Well, I think, um, yeah, that would that would be a, a quite an embarrassing result, I think, for Arsenal. And I think it would be the end of Unai Emery. But, you know, that would, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on Arsenal, as I'm sure I'll have other opportunities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, one thing yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm noticing, Carl, is there's, there's a a joy in the way you're talking about Chelsea, which it was, there were no expectations kind of coming in when we were doing the round table with Miguel. You guys oh, were just yeah. kind of like, I just hope we see, you know, something positive. And it seems like through seven games, Chelsea has delivered that for you. And, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to last, but also the next, the next kind of quote unquote top six club you play in the league is, you know, late November, you play city. So, you know, it's not outside of the realm of possibilities that you guys can continue this form, you know, get battered in the Champions League, but continue it in the Premier League and <laughs> kind of put yourself and let's let's be real, like you're not up against world beaters to make the Champions League next year. So, for me, Chelsea is a legitimate threat to finish in the top 4 whereas 2 months ago I wouldn't have said that. Do you st- do you still believe, or do you believe more now that they're a legitimate threat for that top four? Because you t- you mentioned Leicester, yeah. um, and obviously those other clubs, they got a lot to figure out. But th- you know they're they're going to be in the mix. Is does Chelsea have thirty eight games in this youth? I think that is the biggest question for me. Is sure that they they've got it, but do they have thirty eight games? Mm-hmm. Do they have the grind? Can mm-hmm. Tammy Abraham hold up as the guy for the whole year? Maybe doesn't have to because you do have Betshuayi and, and Giroud that have have been there, done that, that can plug in. But that's the question for me: Do they have the legs? I I I, I think that's a great point, and I think that's also like I, I think I regret being so doom and gloom when we last spoke. I, I do think um, like the youth players have really exceeded my expectation, and mm. frankly, so have some of the existing ones like Jorginho. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's clearly going well, but I completely agree with you that um, 
I just can't see this. I'm kind of, I hope we get battered in the Champions League and we get out of there as quickly as possible, to be honest. Like, Straight into the Europa League. So you have a singular yeah, focus. Well, that's that's the issue, isn't it? Like, right. Well, then you, you, really, finish, you finish fourth in the Champions League group stage. You don't have to go to the Europa League. Yeah. You have to do exceptionally badly. That's the thing. I don't know if we'll get away with that. But um, I just... I, I worry about the length of the season. I worry about... But what I will say, and this is the other incredible thing about Chelsea right now, is we've gone through the first seven games or six games. We've played really well. We've introduced a bunch of new players. But we also have at least two or three borderline world-class, but definitely world-class talent players coming coming back into the team. You know, um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek is coming back. Rudiger wow, is coming back. world class! Wow, world world class talent. I, sorry, I, I qualify that as in like his ceiling is enormous. Exactly, like could be. You, you're absolutely sure. right. Yeah, I think he's, he's. I think he's one of the in the very best case scenario. Well, I mean, oh, I, I don't know. As likely as like no, no. I think I mean his injury concern is a, is obviously the biggest. Doesn't issue. Loftus Cheek have a bit of Jesse Lingard syndrome? Isn't he like 25, 26? Yeah, but he's just never played, dude. He's just always been injured. Well, yeah, I mean, that should be a concern more so. Uh, it than is a defense. huge concern. You're right. <laughs> yeah, it is a huge concern. You're right. But he to- just as a number ten, like I've never seen someone so big, so fast, so skillful. On his day, I've seen like... Patrick play center back in the Marvel. <laughs> oh, I can't wait! Oh, I can't wait! Yeah, once um, this train gets moving, it's not stopping. But hey, uh, just to answer question, Patrick, like I do, I don't, I still don't think this team. I think this team on its day is good enough for a top four finish, but over the course of a season, I wouldn't put that expectation on them. Right. And I do think this is like a two, three year thing. So I don't know if we really need to be in the champ i mean i would be okay if we did well <clears throat> and next season was the season where we really went after top four right oh of course i think that's i think that's fair i just think it's right at, at this point you know we we go in with no expectations and now you're saying wait hold on a minute we might have something here we might have frank might not be you know as 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 clueless as we might have originally thought he might have yeah. a little bit more grasp on these young players and into that point the young english players there's not a single one of them who probably didn't don a Lampard jersey back in the day. You know, there's probably yeah, a lot. Cr- yeah. There's a lot of of pride that they could have planned for this man. And you know, I spoke on the last podcast about what I thought about his statements. But maybe stuff like that does resonate with those players in a way that I'm not particularly fond of. But um, we touched on it. Uh, Go ahead, James. I, yeah, I'll, I'll help, you I'll, seem like you have a point on this one. I'll help I land the plane. No, no, no. Um, I think. Pat, I don't know if you listened to the last episode. I think Pat had a really interesting point about perception and reality because mm. I think the mood in Chelsea is very positive. Pat mentioned, mm. uh, you know, the applause coming off of the loss to Liverpool and, and just the yeah. feel-good factor that exists right now. I think this this idea of perception is reality is really interesting because before Chelsea played, United and Arsenal and Chelsea, I believe, were all on the same amount of points. Yeah. And the mood in Arsenal and United camp, in their camps, is exceptionally more volatile and kind of uncertain. Whereas Chelsea's just kind of like, oh yeah, this is good. There are promising signs and we're just going to keep moving forward. And I'm wondering if you have a sense as to why that is. I tried to offer up a point uh, on last week's cast, but I'm curious if you have a, have a, have a different one. 
Well, I, I think it kind of goes back to my earlier dig. I mean, we, we like I think there were more expectations at the beginning of the season for Tottenham, Arsenal, and Man United right. because you spent right. a bunch of money and you do like Man United. I know we could argue about it, but like fairly established coaching systems and therefore hopefully playing style. Like there comes a point. I mean, by the time we get to February, I expect Chelsea to have like. A pretty established first team, a pretty established style, and like various ways to deal with whatever happens in the game in terms of subs and tactics. Mm -hmm. But I, and so I would expect that of Tottenham, Arsenal, and Man United right now in this very moment. But they're still seemingly trying to figure things out. And and I just Lampard's had six games. It's just, and he is, and he's doing the same as you know, Pochettino is doing after X many years. So, I, I, but I also think, you know, again, like you're right, fixture list, and I think, I think we're going to look better for a while than we really are. And I really think, come like Christmas, as always, like the pack will shuffle itself, right? Yeah, I think and, there's and ebbs that, and flows to account for, but I do think your point exactly. is a good one. Yeah, I mean every every point's valuable, so you take them while you can get them. Oh and yeah, I mean you know, I was delighted today. I mean yeah. yesterday was a. I mean I'm delighted. Yeah, yeah. everything is going swimmingly. Yeah, and home I, against Brighton. Yeah, and I even think, <laughs> I even think that the 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 value in that is you know you're. You might even welcome that adversity and see what kind of character you have in this side because you clearly have talent, and. You know, I, I think that the fans will likely be pretty understanding of some rough patches this season, especially given some of the other positive signs. But I think you might almost benefit from these players going through a, you know, a, a really poor run of form just to see how they respond yeah. mentally, just to see who's up for it yeah. at this type of a club. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't let you go without us talking about Pulisic. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I don't really understand it either. I thought he played really well against Liverpool that cup game. And it, it's just not, he's not, what, what I'm starting to think is that Lampard isn't quite willing to put a team out that doesn't have at least some experienced players at every level of the pitch. So a like, William. In the wings, like it just means that, like up front with Mount and Abraham, he has someone who's seen it all. Mm -hmm. uh, and Mount, you just can't take him out of the team right now. Right. So really, and Callum Hudson Odoi is coming back. It, it's a tough moment for him, no doubt. But what I will say, and this is another thing, I was just thinking and musing comparatively to Man United and Arsenal. And maybe many other teams like at the moment, and, and I think that's why the the fans love the team so much. Everyone is desperate to play. You could you can just tell that there's like this real sense at Chelsea of like every player is desperate to get into the starting eleven, and and every sub that comes on is here to prove himself as a first team starter for the next game, and so it's just this crazy like competitive moment in the squad where. The eleven is being decided, and and I, and I just think Pulisic is sort of suffering under the like. I, it, there's just a lot happening right now in terms of like players getting into the team and like systems being tried out. And for some reason, he's not making the cut. And I did think it was notable that Callum Hudson-Odoi, who had been like he'd played two games for the under twenty thirds, 
he was one of the subs come Saturday against Brighton. Right. Right. And, and that was like a wow this guy's gone straight from the reserves into the first team mm-hmm. while Pulisic has been like crafting and training for five weeks so right. there must be something going on that I, has, I just has, don't know this is me not knowing Did Pulis- has Pulisic not been making benches oh he's been in most teams that I've watched but I, I haven't watched too many Chelsea games I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know I wouldn't know well I guess that goes to show that it doesn't matter he hasn't made an impact or come on yeah, but he did have a really good game against Liverpool back in that, like, whatever, the Super Cup. Cup. Yep. Yeah, so I don't, like, I'm not hating. He's clearly I don't think anyone's hitting the panic button. Yeah. I think yeah. we're just in adjustment mode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it also may, may be a case, and, you know, you see this at, at many clubs where you kind of just wonder why certain players aren't getting what us as the fans would say is a fair run out. Just might not click with the manager. And I, you mentioned Mount's form. Uh, and, and the experience needed, Calum Hudson-Odoi coming back, Loftus-Cheek coming back into the team. They're, you know, I wouldn't say it's you know first-class choice, but they they are spoiled for choice at those positions, and so they can afford yeah. to play who's on form, and they don't need to play Pulisic. This is the time of the year where you're going to start to have the FA Cup, the Carabao Cup, yeah. and you know, you know, Champions League as as well. At, I, I don't know what the priority is, but you're certainly going to get. A chance to earn your spot in the team if you're Pulisic over the next two months, just with the pure number of fixtures, mm-hmm. right. you're going to get starts. You're going to have yeah, that opportunity, true. and you know maybe he's not doing enough on the training ground, but if he can produce, certainly in the Champions League or the FA Cup, he's gonna he's gonna be knocking on the door. Should Mason Mount slip up, or should that experience not you know con- con- you know continue to yield results for for Lampard? Yeah. But you know we can put a pin in that since. There really isn't much to talk about with him since he hasn't yeah. made, made the field. Right. Yeah. Well, let's let's wrap let's wrap it up this way, Carl. Um, we mentioned at the start of this, we are also doing a bit of a roundtable with Liverpool and Spurs and their top fans, and they had some choice things to say about Chelsea. I'm not going to reveal them right now, but I think now is your chance to kind of come out swinging and, and say some things about Spurs and, and Liverpool, respectively. Spurs and Liverpool. They yeah. will be on this episode yeah, so. with you. This is like a defender club we, moment. We're, we oh. asked them to say the same things. Yeah. So just okay. assume the worst and attack the most. Yeah. Assume they uh, talked about you personally. Okay, right. Well, that's, I mean, okay. Well, first of all, Spurs obviously is just an easy target. Like, Spurs is, Spurs is so expensive. Like, will Pochettino leave and take the Man United job? It's starting to feel like that might happen because... Like, talk about the culture of Chelsea being vibrant and awesome and everyone's loving it. Like, I don't know well, what's happening at Tottenham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could talk about that, Carl. Yeah. Oh, I will. Oh, I mean, like, purely from you the Chelsea you fan will. perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, like, holy shit, the wheels are coming off at Spurs. I know they won <laughs> yesterday, but, like, even that was scrappy. And, and I'm Maurice just, like, made it so. It's just, I I mean, at this point, I'm almost like starting to feel sorry for them because it's just not happening. But I do think, uh, you know, it is Tottenham and they did get to the Champions League final yesterday, last year. It's so about I, as good like, as it gets, yeah. Sure, surely. Um, I don't know what to say about Liverpool because obviously Liverpool are just a great club at the moment. And I hate their fans, but I love their football. And Jurgen Klopp is, if shit, he might even make it to my like celebrity dinner if I could. Like, I, 
I might bring Jurgen Klopp in and have him sit on my right. He's such yeah. a legend. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite but, quotes. Sorry, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, that's it. That's it. I was going to say one of my favorite Klopp quotes that I just saw, which just reinforced my feelings towards him. Uh, he was comparing himself to Pep, and he says, Pep is dressed so well all the time, and he smiles great, and he's just this GQ model. And then Klopp com- compares himself. He goes, when I smile at babies, they cry because I look like a psychopath. <laughs> it's just the self-aware nature. Yeah, all the extra teeth the babies don't know how yeah, to process. Yeah, that's right, all the extra teeth. Um, yeah, I won't hear a bad word said about him. So there we go. I'm sorry, yeah. Liverpool. I just I'm not going to have a run at them. There, they're just a well-run club, and and I low-key shit. Maybe they should just win the league. I can't believe I'm saying this. Nope, nope. We won't have that kind of talk here. Yeah, I know, but maybe they should just win the league. You know. Well, it's it's my prediction, but it's not what my heart's telling me. Yeah, I think you're win. right. I think that's yeah. fair. Well, Patrick, any any additions? final statements uh, no I just I think um, we'll we'll see in the next couple of months I think Mason Mount's gonna get found out yeah we'll see who he really is <laughs> and that's uh, Patrick Crowley with the last word ladies and gentlemen geez, that's geez, honestly. well Carl um, you know honestly it is always a pleasure to have you on and, and, and thanks for joining us today hey listen good luck you two Arsenal and Man United fans you know it's gonna be a long season I'll oh yeah why you. do you think we're recording this stuff separately <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, dudes, take care. Take care. Thanks, Carl. Well, that was Carl. Thoroughly underwhelming, as always. And now, for something that's more underwhelming, we get to talk about Liverpool and just how good they are. Scott's more excited than we are, thankfully. So, come listen, see what he's got to say about the best club in the Premier League right now. All right, we now welcome on our resident Liverpool FC fan, Scott, who's taking a break from telling everyone that Liverpool won the Champions League last season to join (laughs) us back on the cast. Scott, we're so pumped to have you join, man. Yeah, happy to be back. Thanks for having me. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but Liverpool won the Champions League last year. (laughs) Oh, is that right? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Not in Kate's eyes. Not in Kate's eyes. That was the runners-up competition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the quarterfinalists. Oh. No, it uh, it is good to have you on because it's pretty well documented the lack of talking points that Patrick and I draw from Liverpool's season just because they're so what's the what's the word dominant. That's fair. I wasn't thinking dominant. I was thinking more boring. But, you know how uh, you you know how they have the um, <laughs> the corgi races where none of the corgis go in the right direction. Liverpool is like the little rabbit that's going blistering fast in front of all the little corgis. Who and the all the corgis? other teams are just kind of hanging behind. The so other teams are the Corgis. No idea what that reference is, but I completely understand <laughs> what you're saying, which is odd. Well, let me kick it off with something relatively coherent. I did five <laughs> minutes of research before this, and I'm going to cherry pick some stats for you. So, Scott, this is my question. Sure. Last season, Liverpool were – oh, no, sorry. I'm sorry. This season, Liverpool is a perfect 21 points from seven games. City has 16 from seven. Last season, Liverpool were 19 points from seven games, and their drop points came from this match week seven away to Chelsea, which is no push, pushover result. So my question to you is, does this season feel different than last season in any way? Maybe from a closer insider fan perspective, you 
there might be some kind of takeaway. To me personally, I'm seeing a bit of a repeat of last season. Obviously, City had that shock result against Norwich that no one was expecting and then bounced back, so they're not right on par right now. But again, I think the same story of a two-horse race is playing out. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you that it does definitely seem like that two-horse race. Um, this year, it's it feels a little different to me just because I have a lot more confidence in this team than I did last year. Even though Liverpool got to the Champions League final the year before and lost to Real Madrid, um, they didn't really have the the Premier League season that people were expecting. So last year being one-point runner-ups coming into this year with an incredible amount of momentum, it's I almost go into every single game assuming that like they put up two goals, three goals, they're going to win kind of thing, which yeah, I didn't really have last year. I remember year. how that used to feel. Right? It's a pretty good feeling, <laughs> honestly. Um, now I'm shook for a way to Brighton. <laughs> Anything could happen. Anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, but the other side of that is that I sort of go into games now with a level head as opposed to like a hopeful attitude. And I'm sort of mm. seeing more of the potential like pitfalls. So mm. there, there are more things that I can sort of see with this team that like I can see them dropping points at some point. I don't imagine they're going to go a perfect 38 for 38. Um, but like there are instances and in like little pockets of their game that right now, I don't think that they're clicking on all cylinders, which is kind of scary in and of itself. But you, to bring it back to your first response, you feel like this season, it, 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 you, there's a different feeling about the team in a positive way, or did I misunderstand that? Yes. Sorry. Yes. In a positive way in that I have more confidence in this team than I did in the previous two, three years. What do you think that comes down to? I think a lot of it has to do with continuity. They've been able to have like a set starting lineup for the most part, almost all seven games this year. Um, They pretty much have their set three midfielders that they kind of lean on for Premier League games. It's Fabinho, Henderson, and Wijnaldum. They've pretty much taken the brunt of the workload and then the back four, Matip has been out of his mind good this year next to Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're doing all of this without the best goalkeeper in the world, potentially. So once he comes back, it's just like even that much more confidence. Yeah. Uh, one of the, I mean, you touched on a good point there. One of the things I was going to bring up was I think if you dropped an alien into the Premier League and said, watch this back line on Liverpool and you don't know which one's Van Dyke and which one's Matip without context, you might go out on a limb and say Matip's the better defender this yeah. on this season alone. It just right. it just seems like they've got two two of the best back there. Right. Yeah. I mean Matip just it's weird and almost unnerving how comfortable he is on the ball and how he like is the driving force from the back when they can't really distribute through the midfield. He just dribbles through like the opposing half. Yeah, Scott. Yeah. One of the one of the things I think that stood out to me um, from what you said is you're noticing things that they aren't quite clicking on. And if if that's the case, you know, I know that no one's going to click for 90 straight minutes. Things are going to, you know, passes will be wrong, shots won't work. You're going to have Mane trying to fight Klopp <laughs> at at some point. But from an outside perspective, obviously, 
nearly actually an actual perfect record nearly perfect performances what are we missing what isn't working and you know from from your perspective what are those areas for improvement from other teams perspective how do you attack liverpool how do you unlock them yeah i mean the main sort of glaring thing that is apparent to me at least in the past few games has been like Chelsea did a good job of it once Marcus Alonso came in going down the left side, basically doing what Trent Alexander-Arnold does to everyone else, where just get their fullbacks up as much as possible and make Trent run literally end line to end line. Like the last 30 minutes against Chelsea, he was just gassed and Klopp made Mm. a good substitution, bringing Gomez in to just Mm -hmm. like play right back and just push Trent up. So part of what I've seen is their defenders have – tired as the game wore on um i don't know if that's necessarily like more clop strategy wise where they're trying to get up and down earlier in the games um last year a lot of what i had noticed was that they were not a very good like first half team and they once like the 50th 60th minute came around they'd start to really like get the possession and put a bunch of uh, good chances on now i feel like they're getting more chances in the first half they haven't necessarily connected on all of them but it almost right. seems like it is taking a toll in the second half where like Trent looks tired. Um, uh, Andy Robertson, he doesn't get tired, but he gets out of position right. a little bit more. So shout out Kevin Gates. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he'll, I think that's kind of, if, 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 if that is what, what, what Klopp's intending to do. Um, I think that's a, you're willing to die on that ledge. You know, if you're willing to take your chances, if, if the opposition is, um, going to send just like okay we'll challenge the two best fullbacks in the premier league with our fullbacks and we'll see who comes out on top i take liverpool in that nearly every every time um you mentioned you mentioned kind of a solid um midfield three which when we talked about this on the round table was one of the things that we all kind of thought like what what is that going to be it seems to be very clear as you mentioned um notable exclusions are Ketcha and the Ox who I think both made it into maybe not yours but certainly of the round table a decent amount of those midfield threes is that midfield still the weak point so to speak in this Liverpool side because that is where I would I would say you need to overwhelm Liverpool in the midfield and you know you'll find out when you listen back to this episode I'm not the only one who shares that opinion but what is are you are you confident in that midfield midfield three like a fully confident, that's our starting three. We can win the league with these three. I'm not. No. Okay. Um, I on the round table wanted Ox to start over uh, Wijnaldum, and I, it, I still want that to happen. I think Wijnaldum has his moments, but he has been wildly underwhelming mm-hmm. this year. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Fabinho is supplanted. He is cemented in there. He's unreal, and I think Henderson when he does get forward more often i think he does provide value but i mean there's also that he's aging a little bit he gets a little kind of crazy um so i i would like to see them mix it up a bit put yeah. ox in for wijnaldum give i don't know milner a little bit more run i don't think Keda is necessarily ready yet he played that last week in the league cup um really didn't have a good showing in that game but I think he's still working his way back a bit. So maybe in a few weeks, maybe a month or something, get yeah. Kate involved also. 
Yeah, and uh, Patrick, correct me if I'm wrong. When we watched the Liverpool Arsenal game, uh, we did note how it was a bit of a pick your poison. Like, are you going to try and win the midfield battle and let them have the wings, or vice versa? And I think Arsenal let them have the wings to their own detriment. And uh, yeah, I'd I won't even to say get... detriment, but yeah, they did let them have the wings. I let them have the wings, um, which was a dangerous route to go on. I almost sure. wonder. Yeah, I mean, you're trusting David Luiz and Socrates to clear forty. Perfectly it's not about crosses. you. Not about you. Let's <laughs> <laughs> bring it. Let's bring it back. You had your one. I'll have my one. We'll get back. Yeah, to tr- uh, fair. All right. <laughs> it's prem well, of the prem. They know what to expect. Yeah, Scott. I'm curious to get your take because I, I only, you know, uh, I only saw the the Liverpool Sheffield highlights. I didn't, you know, sit down and watch the game. You said on, and I quote in our thread, you were going to watch the dismantling of Sheffield, <laughs> and it didn't quite go that way. It was a Manchester United goalkeeper Loney who, who let it squeeze between his legs for the goal. But to, to my point, uh, do you have any kind of inside analysis from watching the game on what Sheffield did that gave Liverpool probably their toughest game of the season so far? Um, well, first of all, I wanted to say that that comment I made was in confidence that it would not be brought back up. But, uh, see, you have to you have to put that in writing. That's true. I, I did not uh, write that down. Get one of those little disclaimers at the bottom of your email so you're always covered. (laughs) I, yeah, I have no credentials as a journalist. Anything goes. (laughs) All right. There is no record. (laughs) Wait, we're live? (laughs) Patrick sometimes forgets to hit record. These two two jabronis go off for an hour. Um, Well, yeah, I don't honestly know what Sheffield really did that gave them so many so much fits like granted Liverpool had Mane had like a breakaway um over the top volley that he just mishit whereas one-on-one with the goalie right, right, Salah yeah. had a one-on-one with the goalie that goalie made a great save um like they had their chances they had their opportunities they didn't connect but that's sort of how the game goes and they yeah, they definitely got lucky having that ball just squirt through his legs. Um, mm-hmm. And on like Sheffield had a bunch of their own chances too, right? They just sort of right. whiffed on a couple. And yeah, from what it looked like, they they gave converse to if you want to draw very high level um, comparisons, they they gave Liverpool the ball in the midfield, and they said, okay, um, Wijnaldum, Fabinho, um, you know, Henderson, here's the ball keep it away from the front three and then balls over the top to keep Trent Alexander and Robertson running ragged and having to track back and not being able to stay so offensive. Cause I think they Sheffield put balls over the top on the wings and that's what get, what, what got them running on a couple yeah. of occasions. I mean that line. Yeah, that makes sense. And it was a lot of like Trent and Robertson running back and forth. And to your point again, like they got, it looked like they got tired towards the end of the game also. Right, because so much of their game, they're allowed to almost just be forward wingers that I think if you keep them honest um, on the backside, then that could limit a bit. But right. uh, let's bring and, it – oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Scott. sorry. It's, it's like they have that ability because Matip and Van Dyke are so good and so fast at covering. Right. But right. like they're going to get caught out once mm-hmm. or twice in the near future, and like they're going to uh, get bit in the butt by that. Well, thank you for reading my match notes because that is an excellent segue of near future to your next three games. Um, I want to read your three next games in order, and you're going to tell me what your 
most nervous about. So first up, you've got Leicester City coming to town in their pomp, managed by former Liverpool manager Brendan mm. Rodgers. And then we got an international break. You've got away to the great Manchester United. Mm. Old Trafford will be rocking with that supporter section. And then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, Spurs at home, which I don't. I mean, let's go ahead and cross that one out right now. You're not gonna be are those that the, one. the next three Premier League games for those? Those are your three yep. next Premier League games in a row. Wow! International break between one and two, but yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a pretty tough stretch coming up. Um, I was looking at that too a little bit before, and like going off just the names, like. Leicester is playing very well right now, but I think we're lucky now to get them at home. Um, I think Liverpool pulls that one out with a win, like a 2-3-1 kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, I hate to say it, but I'm not worried about Manchester United one bit. Okay. Uh, (laughs) He almost fell for the trap. You You haven't won there. You haven't won there in your past two tries. (laughs) <laughs> that's good uh good history <laughs> um i wouldn't be worried about them either <laughs> um but then tottenham like i imagine they'll be the i mean they're always a tough out again we get them at liverpool that helps out quite a bit um so i mean it's tough to say i'm worried about any of them just because two of the like two the two big ones I think getting them at home are going to be huge and then mm-hmm. at Man U like mm-hmm. yes yep. Old Trafford's a tough place to play but Man U they uh, I don't know if they're up to par and we'll be able to actually provide some kind of yeah um, Martial should goal. be back from his seven week cold so <laughs> be on the lookout for that. <laughs> Uh, uh, Patrick, so, you got yeah, you got any any questions? Yeah, so I'm, my, I mean, our segues so on point. Um, I was going to ask Scott what is next, the next fixture he was worried about not taking three points from. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna put you to the test, Scott, because I I don't think you you really answered James's question. Of those three fixtures, which one are you least confident you're taking three points in? Um, I would probably have to go Tottenham. I th- I really wow. think they we beat. I thought Leicester for sure you were gonna say Leicester. I I really think we beat Leicester at home this weekend. It is a it's a crazy it's a crazy that that fixture is as big as it is now. You know, right. it wasn't something I probably would have circled at the beginning of the season, but now absolutely, and they run a form, um, just incredible. Um, and the last the last question I have before we get into our little game here is, uh, have you started looking over your shoulder yet? I know it's early in the season, but you have this incredible run of form. Are you taking the full clop mentality of we got 31 games left to play? I'm focused on Leicester, or you know, basically, how closely are you watching City's results versus just trusting Liverpool to do the job? I mean, listen, after last year being up what 11, 12 points in like December to only lose the league, like there's no way I'm comfortable with Man City, like, being only five points back seven games in. Like, as much as I would like to say, we can just sort of – obviously, we get our own stuff done, we'll be fine. But 
I know that Liverpool's going to drop points here and there. Man City's going to hit a spurt of like 10 games unbeaten kind of thing. They put eight goals in the other weekend. They can do that at any given time to any given team, really. So right. there's – I personally, I'm always looking over my shoulder. I'm always watching Man City rooting for whoever they're playing. Um, and it just like goes back to the haunting memories of last year. Um just, I mean, recent history in the Premier League, it's like the Gerard slip happens last mm-hmm. year. They're up, like, how many points? I don't even remember. But in, like, deep in the season and having Man City win 14 of 15 or something. And that stupid company goal with, like, three games left in the 85th minute to win it for them. That's kind of haunting. Yeah, good right. times. Great yeah, times. You, you sound you sound like a man who is guarded from from past trauma. I am. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll we'll lighten the mood lighten the mood a bit um, to close this out. So uh, we're splitting our roundtable check ins into two episodes. Um, you are going to be joined on this podcast um, by Mark, our friend from Spurs, and Carl from Chelsea. Um, this is something we asked all of them. Um, and they had some choice words to say about Liverpool, but we would like to open the floor for you now um, to say whatever you would like about Chelsea and Spurs, and you know, by all means, go at Mark and Carl. Though yeah. um, don't it's an exercise you... in blindly lashing out. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> all right, well, I used so Chelsea to... and Spurs. Chelsea, and Chelsea and Spurs. <laughs> all right, we'll start with Spurs. I used to. I don't know what happened. I used to have respect for Pochettini, but he's like a. He's a whack job now i feel like he's jose marino 2.0 for whatever reason um harry kane's goal the other day was pretty sweet when he fell over and like ate grass um and then kicked the ball in from behind him but yeah that was and also goal of the week yeah it was put some respect on that goal respect. and then son is awesome but like they i don't know they kind of suck very articulate yeah um just hot takes here so and then chelsea i don't know what the hell they think they're doing sitting they're sitting pulisic the entire time like they have this golden child on the bench they could be like rivaling man city for second in this league if they just play the guy sorry sorry Uh, sorry it's I so love it. Good. Sorry would have started him. Yeah, it would have. Yeah, it's so good. Well, I, I would go out on a limb and say that's exactly what we hope for. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could deliver. Yeah, they were also uh, both very uh, complimentary of Liverpool. They didn't really have a bad word to say. But Uh-oh. I had to send you in with that. Well, <laughs> um, well. I mean, I'm going to just – I'm going to go with what I said. Yeah, Stick no, by no. it. That's what, that's what we wanted here. So. <laughs> Oh, That's man. it for me, James, if you want to take us home. Yeah, well, thanks as always, Scott, for, for jumping on. It's great to have you back on the cast, and we'll be sure to get you back on the week that Liverpool first dropped points, just to <laughs> check in on that tone of yours. Wow, I'm just upset that I'm not going to be on for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish you nothing but the best. You're very cordial and uh, you know very humble in your victories. <laughs> I appreciate that. I try. Thank you for having no, me back on. Genuinely, genuinely. Yeah, great to have you back on, you know, on behalf of Pat. um, We'll see you next time. Well, that about wraps it up for part one of the top six check-in. 
We will see you with regularly scheduled content on Wednesday and then part two of our top six breakdown next week. So long and enjoy. So long and enjoy. What's up, Prem heads? Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts at Prem De La Prem, a Premier League podcast, and smash that subscribe button for all other interviews, segments, and hot takes that you can handle. You can also find us on Instagram for some fire content at Prem De La Prem Podcast. No spaces, no punctuation, just like life.